Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. Am I on? Okay. So I feel like we uh, didn't really have all of our stuff stolen. We just wanted to test all of your, it's like a memory, Bible memory quiz. Do you remember the Lord's Prayer? All the words? Do <laughs> you have it? Um, uh, before I get started, I just wanted to, to say two things really quick. Uh, one, I wanted to, to kind of add on to something that Marlene said, because Marlene you know, mentioned like all the retreats and all the things that are happening because uh, of the plans you know, you know, for young people. And there are, we do, we do believe in investing in young people. Uh, we do, you know, we love to have a vibrant children's ministry. Um, you know, we're still looking to hire a youth pastor or a youth director. Um, but, but I do want to say that God doesn't just have plans for young people. You elders, like God still has plans for you. You're not dead yet. Okay. There's still something for you. There's still things for you to do. There's still work for, for you to do here. Okay. And we need you. And we need your prayers, and we need your wisdom, and uh, we need you to remind us uh, to keep going, to keep searching for justice, to see, keep working uh, for the kingdom of God. Um, that's important. So I just want to say that for elders. Um, and I also want to say it, it was, it'd be easy to miss. Next week, uh, Pastor Phil, who was the pastor before I got here, um, he is going to be back, and he's going to be sharing an update on his church plant. He's planting uh, the church in Mountain View, Mountain View Hope, and he's just going to come and share about what that's like and how that's doing, and you know. And so we'll get a chance to to see uh, Phil and his family, and so that's going to be a nice blessing as well. Um, now, I would, I'd like to start today by just telling a little story about King Saul. King Saul is the first king of Israel. And uh, this story is about how he lost his kingship. Now, um, Amalek, that was, that was another kingdom. And Israel had been enemies ever since Moses had freed the people of Israel from their slavery in Egypt. Um, when Israel left Egypt, they wandered in the wilderness um, until they could move back to their ancestral homeland. But during that time, while they're wandering, the Amalekites, they would conduct raids. They would conduct raids on them. Um, but they wouldn't just like be ambushes, like head on, right? They would attack the people at the ends, right? They'd attack the flanks. So they'd always attack the stragglers, um, uh, wherever the weaker members of the tribe were, all right? Uh, the sick, the elderly, the children, any of those folks. Um, the Amalekites, they'd pick off the most vulnerable people. And, and this led to a larger battle where Amalek attacked Israel just as they'd, like, they finally, you know, because it's all desert there, they reached an oasis. And, um, and you know, so they're tired, they're hungry, and boom, Amalek attacked. Um, and Israel was victorious, but many of the weaker people were killed. Um, and it talks about this in Deuteronomy uh, 25, 18. And God promised, like, Amalek is going to be destroyed because, like, they targeted the weakest and the most vulnerable people. All right? 
Like that's who they were going after. Anyways, so that's just that's just background. So um, King Saul, this is this is later. This is actually a couple hundred years later, but is is prepared to go into battle with Amalek. And he's told by his prophet, um, take no prisoners. Um, don't take any plunder. Don't take any prisoners. Uh, you like, you go to war. And King Saul, he, he won the victory, but he, he didn't listen to his prophet. Um, he saved all the best livestock. He didn't kill the king. Um, he only killed the weak people. Right? He only killed, killed the weak and the blemished. Right? He kept all the good stuff for himself. He did the exact same thing that Amimelech was you know, being blamed for. Um, now the prophet went and saw the king and heard all the livestock bleeding and mooing and stuff, you know, all the animal noises. And he saw the, the king of Amimelech was still alive. And so he confronts King Saul and says, hey, why didn't you listen to God? Like, and, 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 he, and he was full of excuses. King Saul was full of excuses and he claims like, well, I, I was going to sacrifice uh, all of these animals to God. And, uh, and he didn't say anything about the king. But in 1 Samuel 15, uh, 22 to 23, uh, this is what Samuel told the king. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination. And arrogance is like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. And that's how King Saul um, lost his divine right as, as, as king. Now, it is important. It is important to listen to God. It's important to obey God. Over and over again, throughout scripture, um, there's an idea that's important to obey God. That's reinforced. Um, Hosea 6.6, 6, I desire faithful love, not sacrifice. The knowledge of God entirely instead of, um, instead of burned offerings. Or Micah 6.6-8, 6, 6 with what should I approach the Lord, Lord and bow down before God on high? Should I come before him with entirely burnt offerings and year-old calves? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and many torrents of oils? Should I give my eldest child for my crime, the fruit of my body for the sin of my spirit? He has told you, human, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, to do justice, to embrace faithful love, and to walk humbly with your God. It's important to obey God. It's important to obey God. I mean, this is what's, what we teach, right? That's actually why I wore this shirt today, because uh, I don't normally wear t-shirts like whenever I preach. Um, it's probably like the only time I don't wear a t-shirt, but, uh, but because... It's important. But where does Jesus kind of fit in that? Um, because Jesus sometimes does things and says things that seems to throw that idea right out the window. And uh, I want to look at that today. And this is a really complicated sermon. I'm really sorry. Um, I decided, like, you know, I'm a really, this is a really complicated sermon. And there were lots of slides today, lots of points. I promise you, I was up until one making them and like, okay, oh, you need to know this so, so you can follow my train of thought. But, you know, God has a sense of humor and uh, we don't have that. So follow along the best you can. This is a good time to take notes if you do that. All right, let's pray. And then we're going to dig into some scripture.
May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and redeemer. Amen. Now, all of that was just background. I kind of wanted to give you a sense of what, um, what Israel believed. Okay, what was taught. What we're really going to be looking at is Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Okay, so I'm going to read it. All the tax collectors and sinners were gathered around Jesus to listen to him. The Pharisees and legal experts were grumbling, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And Jesus told them this parable. Suppose someone among you had 100 sheep and lost one of them. Wouldn't he leave the other 99 in the pasture and search for the lost one until he finds it? And when he finds it, he is thrilled and places it on his shoulders. When he arrives home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors and says to them, Celebrate with me, because I found my lost sheep. In the same way, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who changes both his heart and his life than over 99 righteous people who have no need to change their heart and their lives. Or what woman, if she owns 10 silver coins and loses one of them, won't light a lamp and sweep the house, searching her home carefully until she finds it? When she finds it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Celebrate with me, because I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, joy breaks out in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who changes both heart and life. Uh, now, these are simple parables. Uh, parables are stories that Jesus said to uh, emphasize a point. But I want to look at the implications of what Jesus said and who he said it to. First off, this rocks the Pharisees' understanding of obedience to God. This is, this is just contrary to it. Um, um, the Pharisees and the legal experts, they're, they're grumbling over who, who came to hear Jesus, right? Um, there are people that had devoted their lives to learning the Scripture, to teaching the Scriptures, to following the Scriptures. That's what they were all about. Um, and I say this often, they were like a lot of us here, um, you know, they, they were the ones that showed up to church and took notes. They went to Bible studies, and they tried to live virtuous life, upstanding lives. And so when they saw the people that were around Jesus, that was like a mark against them. Uh, because Jesus hung around with people that seemed to betray God. After all, that's what sin is. Sin is, uh, is turning away from God and God's will. And God desires obedience. And here is Jesus, you know, and he has all these people that have not been obedient to God. Uh, tax collectors were considered traitors, uh, right? Inclusion with the Roman occupiers. Um, so sinners were people that, like, you know, they reject the things that God wants them to do. And it, so it doesn't say what kind of sinners that Jesus hung out with, but they were the kind of people that proper people did not want to be around. Uh, maybe there were bad influences on their children. Uh, maybe they were poor. Uh, maybe they had bad sexual reputations. Uh, maybe they didn't follow uh, the right sacrifices or follow the Sabbath teachings. Maybe they were thieves or just liars or annoying. Okay, I can think of a lot of annoying sinners. Um, who knows? But why did Jesus value them so much? Why did he allow himself to be surrounded by all of these sinners. Um, this is something big that the Pharisees missed, that oh, both obedience and repentance 
lead into a relationship with God. Uh, the Pharisees couldn't see that those, those peoples actually aren't defined by their sin any longer. They're with God. Their sin had been forgiven, and they'd been brought back into relationship with God. God's desire for obedience is due to his love for us. Uh, what sin does, sin is creates space. Right? It creates space between us and God. And God doesn't want space between us. God wants to be with us. Uh, sin causes us to separate ourselves from God. And God wants to be with us because God loves us. And since sin had entered the picture, every sin has entered the picture, people have always hid from God. They've always tried to remove themselves from God. We've become lost. And God wants to find us. He wants to restore us to right relationship with us. And that's what Jesus does, is restore right relationship. Uh, the whole point of the law, the whole point of being obedient is that it keeps you close to God. The law has a why, right? The law isn't just the law to be the law. There's a why to the law. And that why is God's love. And that why is God's love. And the Pharisees, they're missing the why. They understand, do this and don't do that. But they're missing that all the laws and prophets hinge on having a loving relationship with God, right? Uh, Deuteronomy 6.5, love the Lord God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Um, right? Jesus said it's the greatest commandment. Uh, Deuteronomy 7.9, know therefore that the Lord your God, your Lord is your God. Sorry, I keep on saying it wrong. Deuteronomy 7.9, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is a faithful God keeping his covenant love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. God desires relationship with his people, all of his people. Repentance is a return to obedience. Okay, The whole point of the law, the whole point of being obedient is to be in relationship with God. Okay? Okay, second thing. Both obedience and repentance look like Jesus. They both look like Jesus. Obedience is caring for the most vulnerable. Um, King Saul, uh, so from the beginning of the story I shared, um, he ended up acting just like the Amalekites that he was sent to destroy. He only killed the vulnerable and he left the king. He only killed the vulnerable and left the king, the strongest. He kept all the riches. Saul was disobedient because he followed the same old sinful patterns of the world, honoring the highest while exploiting the lowest. And that's precisely what Jesus was against. And the, the Pharisees, and the way that they, they kept the law and the follow of the prophets, they, they turned that into following the same rhythms of the world. Right? Instead of living in the kingdom values, where the last is first and the first is last. And the prophet Micah, whom we read earlier, he pointed this out in his call to obedience. With what should I approach the Lord and bow down, bow down before God on high? Should I come before him with entirely burnt offerings and with year old calves? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with many torrents of oil? Should I give my oldest child for my crime, the fruit of my body, um, for the sin of my experience? He has told you what is good and what the Lord requires of you. To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Right? Obedience looks like Jesus. Jesus. And repentance looks like Jesus because Jesus called people to turn away from sin, to sin no more. And then he forgave them their sin. Isaiah 
1, 16 through 18. Wash, be clean, remove your ugly deeds from my sight. Put an end to such evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Come now and let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your skins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. If they are red as crimson, they will become like wool. Obedience and repentance looks like Jesus. Okay, an obedient person looks like Jesus because they're caring for the most vulnerable. They're, they're sacrificing. They're working hard for the other person's good. And somebody that comes to repentance looks like Jesus. Right? Because they recognize, like, man, somehow I got lost. And I need to leave that behind. And I need to, to find Jesus. And I need to be in relationship with him. And I need to walk as he walks. Um, you know, I say this all the time. Like, we are, we are the modern equivalent of Pharisees. We study scriptures. We teach it. We try to live by it. We're people of the book. And all those things are good things. But the whole point isn't to be an expert in the law. The point is to be like Jesus. To be like him. To care for the sick. Right? To care for the lost, the imprisoned, the lonely, the unclean, the incarcerated, the spiritually afflicted. All right? That's the whole point. That's, that's why we do everything that we do here. Right? That's why we do have the children's ministry. That's why we have our elders' ministry. That's how come... We have the cold weather shelter because we want to be like Jesus because Jesus cared for these people. That's why we host AA two times a day. That's come. We let these things happen. And yeah, sometimes that's going to cause inconvenience like our computer getting stolen. But that's just, that's just the cost of living like Jesus, right? That just happens sometimes. All right. And the last point, both obedience and repentance are cause for celebration. Um, neither party is excused from the party. All heavens rejoices when relationships are restored. Um, doesn't mean that other relationships are less valued. Okay, Whenever I have a birthday party for um, one of my kids, it doesn't mean that I hate the other one. Okay. So, yes, Bliss, I'm talking to you. It was her birthday this week. Um, <laughs> yes, it doesn't mean that Rory is hated. Um, so, but it just means that there's a, there's a reason to celebrate. And Rory is invited to the birthday party, right? Because it really wouldn't be a birthday party if his, her brother wasn't there, right? The whole family is invited to come in. Uh, the party isn't just for the sinners. It's for everybody. And the Pharisees... And legal experts, they need to get down off their high horse and join the party. Okay, they need to join the party because because they are invited. The party's for them too. They now have a new family member to, to rejoice with, to rejoice over. And Jesus does kind of kind of throw some shade at them, like rubbing it in, saying, like, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one lost soul that's given their life over to God, um, that has repented and turned around than the 99 uh, righteous people. Um you read that in context, the people that are complaining are the ones that consider themselves righteous. They consider themselves to be the 99. Um, so he's just kind of saying, saying like, hey, hey, <laughs> there's more rejoicing over these guys like, than you with your sour self. 
um, of course they're more rejoicing at unrepentant sinners because the of course there's more celebrating and more rejoicing over repentant sinners because unrepentant Pharisees refuse to join the party. They refuse to participate in the good work that God's doing. And the party's for all that's in relationship with God. Right? Heaven celebrates the recovery of the lost. Right? When, when relationships are healed. And if we pray, you know, like on earth as is in heaven, which we did in the Lord's Prayer, that means that we should be celebrating too. That we rejoice. We rejoice when somebody is found. We rejoice when somebody is healed. Right? Because there's a party. And all who love God are invited. There's a celebration of God. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be celebrating. We're supposed to be, be working and rejoicing and claiming, hey, there is goodness here. There is goodness for you. There is goodness in your life. God, God wants to bless you with that. Yeah, 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 you kind of got lost, huh? Gosh, that really sucks. That's terrible. I'm sorry. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to stay that way. There's another chance. There's a time to turn around. And we are invited to join God in that. Let's pray. Holy Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you that you love us and that you invite us to be in fellowship with you. Thank you that, um, that your grace is good. Thank you um, for those of us who, who grew up with Christian families and grew up knowing right from wrong and have, you know, have continued to walk with you, you know, maybe sometimes stumbling along the way, but have continued to try to follow you. And thank you for those of us who are lost and who had to find you, who you had to find, who you, who you called. Um, thank you that we get to, to join the party and that we are all invited because you are for all of us and you want a relationship with all of us. In Christ's name, amen.